0: Hello, and welcome to part two of our discussion on the suitcase. If you haven't heard part one, go back a week. Make sure you hear it. As I said last week, we really didn't plan for this to be a two parter, but here we are. Make sure you listen all the way to the end. We've got a huge compilation of listener thoughts on this episode, including some friends of the show, voices you've heard before, and a spoiler warning. There's at least one in there. So if you are keeping yourself <laughs> pure, you know, stick a pen in it, write yourself a little note, make sure you come back uh, and listen when the time comes. So anyway, let's get to it. Mad Men, a term coined in the 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it.
1: What's the most exciting thing about a suitcase?
2: <laughs> Many mumbling mice are making midnight music in the moonlight. Mighty nice vocal warm ups. Josh Weinstein recording for they coined it Mad Men podcast. All right, so this is the suitcase. It's got you know all the elements. How do I even put this? All right, so like this is a, this is a show. This is an episode. That is deeply about human frailty.
3: This is Jennifer Dines from Roslindale, Massachusetts. And The Suitcase is hands down one of my favorite episodes of Mad Men.
2: Where do I even start with this episode? It is, put simply, it is the greatest episode of American television ever created.
4: My name is Sarah Strunk. I live in Glendale, Wisconsin. And The Suitcase, in my opinion, is the single best episode of television ever created. Written, acted, and aired. It is my Desert Island episode of television. I watched it six times within the first 24 hours of its original airing. I conservatively think I have seen it about 85 times. I always watch it on May 25th because I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff. Um, Every time I watch it, I see or feel something new
5: or different. And it never ceases to amaze me. What could I say about this episode other than it's so brilliant? It's just amazing to see how Don and Peggy interact through the whole episode, going from hating each other, to loving each other, to understanding each other, to really like connecting on a level that you never see in this show before.
6: So it's almost difficult for me to talk about The Suitcase. Usually with every Mad Men episode, I I have a million thoughts. It's all thoughts. With The Suitcase, it's all feelings. I, I think about it. It doesn't even feel like an episode of TV. It feels like something that, like a memory, like it actually happened. I can feel myself there in that diner, in that bar, in that office. And I don't know how to explain it, but I remember... This sounds really cheesy, but the first time it was on, about halfway through, it went to commercial and I felt I felt genuinely grateful like I it's as if I had stumbled into some little theater that I didn't even know about and there was a play going on and it was the most amazing play ever and nobody knew about it except for a select few and I was one of them and I felt I mean like it was really special. Like I'm alive at this time and I watch this show and I am getting, I am getting to experience this. And when I went online afterwards, I was even a little nervous because it had already become so important to me. And then I went along, went online and everybody was experiencing the same thing. And that's pretty amazing. And, and I know that, probably when they were making it, they didn't know how special it was. I'm sure that somewhere in his heart, Matt Weiner still thinks that like the summer man is a better episode, but it doesn't matter. It's like his Sergeant Peppers because it it belongs to the world now. And I'm just so glad that it's there. And that dress that Peggy wore belongs in the Smithsonian next to Archie Bunker's chair. As far as I'm concerned,
5: the
2: stature of this episode has grown such that here you are, soliciting audience feedback for this fantastic podcast, having hyped up this particular pod for weeks. And it's because all of us true fans know that even among 92 mostly spectacular episodes, this one
5: stands above the rest.
7: There has to be like a a reconciliation, right? And that starts when Don calls Peggy in and they... Bond, you could say, over, over Sterling's gold and the, wow. the, uh, the random ramblings of, of Roger Sterling. I
0: love how Peggy really resists all that. Because on, first, it's no, I'm not coming in there. But again, she doesn't go home, right? That's right. But also, the more relatable piece of it was, oh God, when people make jokes to, that aren't funny – to me like either because they're drunk or just because they're an asshole and i'm kind of like not laughing i wouldn't know anything about that that, (laughs) (laughs) oh i laugh at you plenty Uh damn i'm not gonna hit zero um no but i mean i've been in that position so many times where it's just like oh it's really funny and i'm just like i'm the humorless one being like i don't I, we're listening to somebody's diary or whatever, and you know, and eventually it gets to her right. It wasn't just that she had her arms crossed, like I'm not going to laugh at this. She's like, this is just feels gross to me until it turns, until it, until it, until yeah, it gets her. She
7: softens. Yeah, I
0: don't think it was exclusively because she was being hard hardened to. I will not laugh. No, no, no. I think no some she of genuinely it was like, had to. This is not funny to me. It
7: had to be uh, shown to her what was funny about it or the the, the angle. It had yeah. to
0: get to her herself because again, this is just more. I'm, she takes this shit all day. I know. Everybody's making dick jokes. Everybody's this. Everybody's that. I. It's. She's not enter. I am not entertained. That's, that's right. <laughs> you know. It's
7: true. It's true. And it, th- this episode, as much or more than any, does give you this. And we talked about it with um. They they got the mom, the television, and oh, you're gonna get raped in the city, right? All that shit. And I'm just like, this is what Peggy Olson has to do to live her dream is get is is take this. You know, it's all part of it. To me, it's all part of a set. It's all part of the package of, all right, Peggy, you, you want, this is what you want out of your life. You want to go from Brooklyn to Manhattan. You want to go from being a secretary to a copywriter. You want to go from being a copywriter to a creative director. You want to succeed. Here's the whole thing. You're going to get your family. You're going to get the boss. You're going to get the boys. You're going to get the sexist jokes. You're going to get the dick joke. All of it. And here, here it's coming at you and you don't know when it's you don't in the know pilot. How. it's on the pilot. It's in thing. the pilot.
0: And it's definitely the second episode. Ladies room is all about from what she's dealing one. with in the office.
7: So to me, this is like another data point in that story. Much larger story of Peggy's development, Peggy's evolution, how Peggy gets from here to there. And yeah, she she needs to let it out in the ladies room after all this. She's she's she sobs. You know, Mm -hmm. just again, how many women do we see sob in the ladies room on Mad Men a lot? And this is her moment where where it's backed up on her.
0: So that was before. And then now we're back. We're in his office. And now she's finally laughing at this insanity that we're listening to. And and then they and then he offers to buy her dinner. Oh, and the mouse. That's right. The The mouse mouse. has already Don has already seen the mouse Mm -hmm. and he is rather nonplussed about it. And then and I think this is where we really see it turn. That's right. Is is a mouse and she screams it breaks the mood it's also don says i was raised on a farm mm. now because one of the things that they've already touched on is we don't have personal talks she's she's yeah. very direct about that he's like well we could you know we can be personal with it she's like what are you talking about we are we don't and i like it that way and it's true they don't that was the first so that's the first mention and then they go out and they learn more about each other but that was right. you hear it she, he says i was raised on a farm and you're like Peggy wouldn't she know She
7: wouldn't that. know that. But of course, the backdrop to all this of them talking about how they don't have personal conversations as they're easing into a personal conversation is, oh yeah, and you, but except for the time you except visited me time. in the hospital after I had a baby and nobody would come and it was you. Uh Yeah, we don't have, we don't have nothing personal about each other. So. <laughs> oh, and that time that I bailed you out of.
0: And that d- I bailed, bailed you out of jail. And, and, and you
7: were drunk and. The,
0: and nursed your lover right, in my except home. Except for those times. But they don't talk about it
7: rear view mirror
0: as you've brought that's up right. you ma- have to forget right away
7: so right exactly so so it's but it's not it's not not there they just don't talk about it that's right it's 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 always there
0: so now the mouse is the turning point it is to, for talking about it that's right and now we're going to the diner
7: <laughs> there's other ways out of this room we don't know
8: about what are you doing
7: get the
1: suitcase why I'm gonna seal it up in my nice Samsonite and throw it off the roof don't Come on, every idea you have is some version of that. Let's do it. Where'd you go, Mickey?
7: They go to the diner, and that's it. You know, to me, you know, whatever it is, learning he's in Korea, her talking about her dad dying, they're important.
0: It is important. They first of all, we learned that her dad died in front of her, and she's twelve years old, and she's home alone. That's right. And he had a heart attack, and he she said, and it was very violent, which is not, which that's is an odd word yeah Well. Because people don't talk about that like that. Mm -hmm. I I, I know. My dear friend Albert, friend of the show, art director of the show, his dad died of cancer. And his dad resisted every treatment because he decided to stay in denial. So it was like, I'm not, no, no hospice for me because I'm not dying. You know, like that. And Albert cared for him. And he said he would get so angry when he would would see on TV somebody just dying Mm. peacefully. Because that's not how people die. Now, that is how some people die. But he was the reminder that there's other ways to die. Um, so when she said that, I was like, boy, you just don't hear that because nobody talks about it. That's but in so fact, yeah. I bet it's fucking violent.
7: Or, yeah. Or, 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 or it could just as well have been violent. It, 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 there's a zillion ways it can go, right? It can, you could die in a sleep. He could have, he could have been taking a nap. He could have keeled over. He could have knocked over the, you know, everything on the kitchen table, right? It's it, a zillion ways it could have happened in her instance, in her experience, it was violent. And that's the, that violent. is what is never talked about. You never hear about the violent ways one can die.
0: Of a heart attack. We think of violence as something that somebody does to you, but in fact, what he went through physically...
7: It's a very interesting phrase. He was attacked. Word word choice. Very interesting word choice.
0: She's good with words, that one. And then... Don, my father was. I my father died in front of me, and he was kicked by a horse. And I love how she handled that. Like, <laughs> like I think you're kidding, that, but I'm right. not. She was so is really that good a with metaphor that. Metaphor for like,
7: something, or? <laughs> is that
0: <laughs> right. no? That really happened. Okay,
7: Jesus. Right. right, great moment. That's true. That's true. But 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 it all serves to to highlight this closeness that a they already have whether they talk about it or not, and b that their starting point is much further down the road than maybe they even would have acknowledged.
0: Right. And at this point, after all that fighting, after all that ever everything they've just been through, both in their lives together and in this night, mm. that sort of sharing with each other was quite natural. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it's it's like you could see it. You could see a different scenario of all right, let's get personal with each other. All right, you tell me. Yeah. How'd your father die? Right. You know, and it was just at this point, now we're eating, we're, we're drunk, we're eating tired. eating the fries we're... off her plate. Right. It's a very intimate scene. Once again, he doesn't order food. Don really is fucked up about food. He does. There was nothing in front I of him. he was eating. Off her plate.
7: All right. I'll take your word. I thought there was food in front of him.
0: They do talk about Samsonite. You know, mm-hmm. the title of this episode is The Suitcase. And I literally didn't remember that it was about Samsonite. I only ever remember Anna and her suitcase. Oh, yeah. Right. But they start, they do a little chop talk and- and he says, his Uncle Mac would say, he would, he would say, you should always have a suitcase packed. Or maybe he said he always did have one. A man has to be ready to go at any moment. <laughs> so he didn't learn everything he learned from that hobo. That's true. And he also, at the end with Stephanie, I'll come out and do this. I'll come out and do that. I'll come out and do this. And to me, you know, he's always, re- he's yeah. always ready. Don's always ready to get the fuck out of wherever and go somewhere else and think he's a hero. Or just run away, whatever. But I thought that was really an interesting. Yeah, no, and I, I
7: did. I love that reference, to Uncle Mac, because um, it just—we don't know, you know for, for an episode that has no flashbacks. We know from Don's flashbacks when we do see them that they're usually triggered by something, and Uncle Mac has played a role in that as a minor character. But but we know that this is someone Don knew very well. Said he treated him nicely. So the fact that he would bring them him up here just seems important even if it's just the one time.
0: He also has mixed feelings about Uncle Mac because he also said to Adam, you know, something about those two sorry. I hope those two sorry people had painful de- I can't remember anymore what the line was, but you know, he's like any family member, even though he wasn't a blood relative, it, it was complicated. His feelings toward Uncle Mac are complicated.
7: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but anyway, just, just the reference was striking yeah. for sure.
0: Sure. But that, again, I think you want to go big picture on this episode want to step back and go really big picture on this episode. Anna Draper dies. Anna Draper is the woman who gave him permission to stay Don Draper. And we've talked a lot. And this is the midpoint of there's the midpoint of the season mm-hmm. and not the exact midpoint of the series, but practically the midpoint of the series. And we've talked about the blurring of the lines where Don has dropped some of his I don't have a past Pretense, mm-hmm. right? I mean it starts, I think, in, in season two when he tells Bobby about what his father was yeah. like. He liked he liked ham and he liked those little violet candies. But there's been this gradual merging. But I think this is a turning point for that, for Don and Dick, with Anna dying, starting to Coexist, merge, whatever. I, th- I think it's a turning point in that.
7: Yeah, it's been an evolution, I think, since <clears throat> since he saw Anna when he went out west in season two.
0: I think it's a, been an evolution since the show started, honestly, since, since the guy Adam saw him on the train the and then Adam. Yeah,
7: for, exactly. So I it, 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 put this in that evolution and progression for sure, but it's almost inevitable. And it's not inevitable when you're first seeing it, but it's inevitable when you – put all the dots together and go yes of course he would get more gradually more and more exposed more and more open maybe even more and more accepting of this past that he's been burying to this point it's not a mistake it's not an accident that we see four episodes of this whole series before we learn like we're we're entering don's life virtually at the moment that it begins to crumble
0: that's right you know that's What a good show, yeah. Exactly.
7: So, is there a dog?
0: Why is there a dog dog in in the the parthenon?
7: (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one.
0: So, let's go somewhere darker.
7: They make their way to the bar and inevitably start talking about Peggy's pregnancy. And I just, you know, I I, I don't think I responded to it like this the uh, other times that I've seen this episode, but her. her, What do you not have a heart? No, no, I just. Because
0: this is the line of the episode. (laughs) I mean, it's the line of the fucking series in some ways.
7: How she. Sort of just her acting, just the just the delivery of the lines about about everything. Her 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 family. I like when she says that her mom hates Don. (laughs) That's really funny.
0: Oh, it was a great reveal, and it's like, of course, of course, that's what your mother thinks, and it's that he was so surprised. We don't
7: know that; it would we'd have no evidence of that.
0: But it makes total Total. sense. The one man who showed up, and then again, his question: Do you know who the father was? (laughs) She's like, of course I do, but it's a reminder. The father's right in front of you, Don, and you never that's knew right. that. And, and you're never going that's to. That's right. Because that's for her. To, that's for her. That's for Peggy. That's not for Don.
7: But her, just the depth of her emotion at what she carries.
0: Do you ever think about it? I try not to. But sometimes it creeps in. Playgrounds. Yeah. I can't. I can't.
7: It's just. It's devastating. It's, but for me, just what, how she delivered the line was a revelation. I didn't. I don't remember it being that powerful. At least it was to me this time. I don't know. It's just crazy.
0: You've got some work to do on yourself. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you. That's the fucking it lie.
7: It's not that I didn't notice it, but boy, oh boy. Yeah. The
0: big line of the episode is that's what the money is for. But that's the that's the the money shot, if you will, is right. Playgrounds. Right.
7: Well, it's kind of the emotional heart of what they're really talking about. All of it, including the fight, including everything, was is, all right. So is tell me about this fight. Oh, the Ali Liston fight. So t- one of the most f- famous fights in history, um, as I said before, Ali won the first one in 64. The day after he wins that fight, he changes his name from Clay to Ali and is branded, you know, un-American. And the nation of Islam was not a, wasn't well known, but it also wasn't well liked, um, considered a cult that he embraced wholeheartedly. And, um, you know, on eminently chewable Last week, we were talking about some things that we'd seen. We brought up Ali because there's this big documentary about him. They go into the Nation of Islam relationship quite a bit. Um, but by here, it's a year later, and Ali, um, I don't know of whether he's fought in between the two Liston fights. But by the time he gets to the second one, it's highly anticipated. Everyone thought Liston was going to win the first one. Ali won it. Then he goes and changes his name. So whoever was rooting for for, for Ali the first time around when he was Clay – um He has very few fans by this point. So, uh, in fact, the, the the fight was supposed to take place in Boston. And because of all the controversy around Ali, Boston would not give them the license to fight in Massachusetts. Where were they? I
9: thought they said it was in Boston. No, it was in
7: Maine. Lewiston, Maine. They had to go all the way oh. the fuck up to Maine to find a place <laughs> to fight. Because that's how controversial Ali was. Uh, that's why I was like, Lewiston, Maine. Why the hell was it? It was not the first choice of the fight um but slip
0: out to Canada just about (laughs) um
7: which when Ali uh wouldn't get inducted into the army he did have to fight you know in other countries so at this point the fight's taking place and you know it's one of those things where it was like an open secret that this thing was probably rigged Liston uh like I said he probably had more fans for the second fight than the first perhaps but he was considered and truly was mobbed up uh you know, a lot of criminal elements around boxing in general and him in particular, um, did a lot of work for the mob and, uh, um, uh, loan sharks and all kinds of crazy shit died of, of drug overdose years later. But everyone, there was so many rumors about this thing being fixed to begin with. So when Ollie Mm. wins like 90 seconds, right? Like Danny says later, you know, uh, 90 seconds of fighting and three hours of analysis, like we used to say with the Tyson fights, right? They'd be over in five minutes. Um, it was it was a what they called a phantom punch. You couldn't even see the punch. And because it wasn't on TV, it was just this closed circuit thing. It was virtually, you know, a small group of people that even were there and they couldn't see the punch. So there was a big mystery around why how do you get knocked out? How did it's such a short fight? What, what the hell happened? That's why the guys in the bar are all saying, you know, the fix is in. Get up, get up. Right. Like what the hell are you doing? Everyone already knows this is fixing. You're gonna you're gonna if you're gonna take a dive. You're gonna, you're take, gonna take a dive a- in in the first minute of the fight. That's insane. Right. right. Um,
0: I did not know anything. Yeah,
7: that's I the that's the background to the get fight. The whole world now. Out. The way people know the fight, you'll see the that famous picture that's on the cover of the newspaper the next morning that inspires Don. Right. Um, there's actually a more famous picture of almost the same moment where Ali's fist is up. It's, it's his fist is cocked and he's yelling at him. Right. It's a furious pose. What's amazing. If you watch the film of the fight, again, very short, um, when, when Liston goes down from this punch, you can't see. Ali is like, is going crazy, saying, get up. He's like everyone else. Get, they already, <laughs> everyone's going to say this is a free, that I'm, the, the, that I'm not legit. If you don't fight me, get the hell up. So everyone in the, in the country is saying that at this point, get up, get up. Mm. Ali's right there on top of him. The picture looks like. That's the way I always looked at the picture before I knew much about the story. It looks like Ali is like standing there, right? It almost looks like he's stationary Mm -hmm. with how furious he is. And it looks like he must be standing there for, you know, two minutes (laughs) yelling at him because that's an odd pose. But if you look at the film, Ali is dancing around. He's he's running around and he's doing that action out of frustration. Like he's just like, get up, get up. His fist and his arm is in that position and he's standing over him. For a fraction of a nanosecond, it is barely even – you can barely even sense that it happens if you're just watching it in real time. But the photo captures that instant that he's in that Mm. insane, aggressive stance. Um, And it's fantastic that not one, but two photographers actually captured that moment. It's unbelievable. And there's stories behind each of those photos. But at the same time, like if you watch the film, you can barely see the moment where that picture is shot. Because it's just the picture looks like he's standing still almost, and yet that's the furthest thing from the truth. So it's a fat. It's probably the most famous photo in sports. Is is Ali standing over Liston like that? Um, but it's the color version of that picture is beautiful because you see like the cigar smoke and all the haze in this old arena in Maine somewhere where the lighting's not particularly good, but it makes for this very dramatic photo. So we'll, we'll link to that also because it's great to see. But um, anyway, just a, an amazing fight. It's one of those moments that lived up to the hype as a sporting event because everyone was waiting for it. It was a short fight, so people were actually not thinking it lived up to the hype in the moment, but as a, as a moment in time, it kind of lives forever. It's amazing. He's got a big mouth,
1: I'm the greatest. Not if you have to say it, Muhammad Ali.
8: Do you like the airplane?
1: Liston just goes about his business, works methodically. Clay will dance and talk, throw a few until he's wiped out. A bag under an airplane looks like there's been an accident.
7: They say styles make fights, right? Like Liston was kind of this big bruiser, big puncher. Ali was fast and and slipped away and and, uh, was able to, to hit with jabs. Different styles. You know, what's interesting is is just how flashy Ali was as a fighter at the time. That's what Don was kind of referring to, right? When he's talking about how much he likes Liston instead of Ali. Um, right. And Ali, as I said, was so controversial that it really put people on opposite ends of, even though it was a boxing match, you know, you could have your favorite and not make it political. It became political very, very quickly and easily, or I should say cultural, because of his uh religious Conversion.
0: But the flashy thing, I mean, Don called it. I don't remember which of them said it's like advertising, right? It's like marketing. Mm. It's like somebody, somebody said that. And 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 Don once again has that. I mean, this is inside him so deep. This business of you don't talk about yourself. The most offensive thing, he went on into the political realm, but Don's (laughs) not political. Don doesn't Correct. give a fuck about politics.
7: Don doesn't vote.
0: Don doesn't vote. What Don <laughs> cares about is somebody going around having to say they're the great, thinking it's okay to say they're the greatest.
7: No, that was the prevailing wisdom. That was the prevailing thinking about Ali. Uh, you know, needs to have his 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 ass handed to him, and Liston was that guy.
0: But that's particularly offensive to our Dick Whitman slash Don Draper.
7: It is. It is, it is, but listen, all the guys who, I forget who it was exactly, but I think it was the, you know, the, the younger guys in the office were pro clay, pro Ali. Yeah. And Don is, you know, representing the older, uh, I, I think Roger too was, was, I forget who Roger voted, who Roger had money on. So I could be wrong, but, uh, Don especially. Yeah. That, 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 uh, old timey thinking of Don's definitely was, was part of all that. I think it's just part of that larger, uh, appropriation of this event, this historical event, sporting event, that uh, made this such a great backdrop for this episode.
0: But what's the metaphor? Because I, I just want to I want to sort of suss it out a little bit because there's th- there's this uh, there's this battle <laughs> of, yeah. of styles is what you just said. I, I, I mean, this I is see a
7: few different things. Ali is younger, faster and flashier. And Liston represents kind of older plotting and powerful. But I think it it really comes to when, again, in the moment of history of the fight, get up, get up. Mm. (laughs) Don's been, (laughs) Don's been, you know, up, as, as Sinatra would say, up, down, over, and out. Peggy's, you know, had her own roller coaster. Get up, get up. That's the fight. That's what we all go through, right? Like it's get, get off your ass. Get rejuvenate whatever the i'm using the wrong words here but uh this whole idea of get off your ass is is i think it just when i saw it that that rang out to me it's great metaphor as a backdrop i think it's a great metaphor as who these two guys are representing the future and the past really um and that idea of of getting up off the mat
8: Get up. Get up.
0: Get up. This episode is a bit of a boxing match between Don and Peggy, you know. Fight within a fight, yeah. Yeah, so, and nobody wins and nobody loses.
7: No, it's kind of about the fight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So we go back to the office as one does. Oh, well, I mean, what did they say? Let's go back and... You know, pack up and go home, right?
7: Uh, yeah, ostensibly, right. yeah, they were done, and just <laughs> Don overindulges. Don has yeah. been
0: overindulging since eleven a.m. or whatever. But I, I do, I can relate to the elevator being the last, the last. Uh, I, sometimes I'm no Don Draper. Believe me, I'm a total lightweight, so it only takes a few to get me to a different place, and then. But sometimes it's the train ride home that takes me from, (laughs) takes me from, I had it together to, oh God. But, you know, he didn't exactly have it together anyway. So they, you know, he comes flying off the elevator straight to the men's room. It's funny, this episode has a, Ladies' room and a men's room scene. There's that's a, right. there's a lot about, and that's maybe that's another more way more subtle piece of the metaphor is that kind of
7: gets called out right when she's deciding which room, to, which right, where <laughs> which to bring him, and then she's staring
0: it. at the urinal because she's probably never seen one or not for that long. You know, she's probably uh-huh. glimpsed it through a, a crack of a door as it's been open.
7: There was a little sketch. I forget where it was. I don't know if it was SNL or Mad TV or something. The, the male mind's impression of what the ladies' room is like. <laughs> and it's like you go in and someone's playing the violin and there's, uh, you know, you can get, there's like someone's handing out like linen kerchiefs, yeah. you know, it's like this
0: incredibly
7: dainty place. And then one time I learned that's not the case.
0: Oh, lemon, women's rooms are disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> They're disgusting. And, you know, and it's changing. I'm in Jersey City where we have, we now have some kind of ordinance or something where it's going to be unisex bathrooms here.
7: You do see that more and more. Yeah. For sure. And
0: plenty of women have gone into men's rooms because there's no line and like, fuck it. <laughs> you know. But my point is, that's, I think, another, I, you know, I said it from the beginning. The testosterone in this episode is heavy. is <laughs> is Is stale in the air. You know. And this polarity... Of male and female, even though that's not ever the core of what's at play with Don and Peggy.
3: Mm-hmm. Although
0: there's, in terms of the power differential, it's 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 uh, you know it's it's traditional, fully yeah. undergirding it, right? But it's not it's not like this is some kind of like battle of the me- of the men and the woman women when it comes to Don and Peggy. But there is the the men being the way they were in the beginning of the episode, and again at the end when they wake her up. Yeah. She's the one who's still standing. She doesn't go. She doesn't go down. She doesn't take the. You know. She doesn't stay down. That's why I just think it's interesting that there's a visit to the men's room after after a scene in the women's room.
7: It's very intentional that it's called out, and I think the more you examine it, the more you realize that it's it, it, what we were talking about earlier on um, Peggy's lived experience. The show is demonstrating for us what Peggy has to do to navigate, and it's constant. And it never stops. And it it yeah, it can it can make you the one who's not getting the joke when Don's playing the 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 Rogers recording and all that. She she has to sort of be on guard. She cannot just hang out and which everyone else does. That's always she's always on guard. I don't
0: quite. That's not that's not I it's not what I said. And that's fine. That's how you see it. How I see it is she just didn't fucking think it was funny. And she didn't feel... She, here's what I didn't say. Here's what I am can get now. Not only did she just not think it was funny. Like, she wasn't on guard. She was actually... Her guard was down. And she could finally be like that. Not laughing with the guys. That's what it was.
1: Okay. For the first
0: time, her guard was down. And she was like, I am not going to pretend I think this is funny when I don't. Okay. And then until she found it funny. Until... Until... She found it funny. That piece of that aspect of her guard was down, where she's pretending Mm -hmm. all the time because she has to. "Ah, And so I did. I did fart in the office. Sure. Yeah, I was jerking off and having a noon or whatever. Sure. I mean, she doesn't say it in those words, but she is forced to be complicit. Otherwise, she will get bullied for not having a sense of humor.
7: My larger point is she has to navigate it. She has to get through it. Whatever her technique is and whatever her method, um, and she has multiple, she just, she's subjected to it. You know, whether she goes along or doesn't go along or frowns or smiles or laughs or whatever, she has to endure. And that's constantly what's, what's going on. And that's the, all of it. So we see a lot of that this episode. I think that's a big piece of that puzzle.
0: And so does every woman in that office and in any office. Sure. She just no. Nope, Joan's no different, that's her, or she, and, or any but, of the secretaries. She just has her own path. She's she's the only one on this path.
7: Yeah, and she and we and what we see is with all of these since day one is that she doesn't always make it easy on herself. She makes it hard on herself a lot of times. She she could go along sometimes when she's not prepared to. That's what Joan does. That's why Joan has an easier time of it. She's able to figure out a path of least resistance that she can live with herself. By doing and so that's the Joan that we pretty much see on day one I don't well we that's another discussion perhaps. but 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 that's what you brought up so but I'm contrasting her to Joan who has a different experience yes by 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 handling it differently
0: yes (laughs) but that doesn't mean she has an easier time Joan's the one who marries an abuser
7: yes I agree
0: Peggy doesn't make it easy for everyone else and it doesn't make it easy for Peggy you're saying if she was just a little more complicit, a little more easygoing, that's what you just said. If she would just joke around a little more with the guys, she might have an easier time.
7: That's actually not what I'm saying.
0: That's what you said. So what'd you say?
7: What I'm saying is that Peggy has to, like anyone, figure out how she's going to navigate these waters of constant-
0: Right. Got that established. Whatever. Done. Right? Yep.
7: And so it's not an easy thing to do. You, you, you do things that you find it easy in some ways. So it might come natural to get through it. Other ways might be very difficult and unpleasant to get through it. But the point is to try and get through it. Joan, the Joan that we meet on day one of this series has kind of reached a place where for herself at that moment thinks she's figured it out and, and has an easier time dealing with these, with the exact same issues that that Peggy has to deal with. But she takes a different path. And that doesn't necessarily mean Joan has an easy time or has had an easier time getting to that spot. It just means their experiences are different and have very different ways of navigating. And that's all we're seeing. It's not a judgment of good or bad or easier or harder. It just means they've had their own thing.
0: What you said is basically Peggy makes it harder on herself by the choices she's made. That's what you said.
7: She 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 sometimes does but we don't know what Joan went through to get where she is either um, who 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 would who would go who would who could possibly navigate that environment and as a woman you know better than i without do, without without doing things that that you say oh if i should have handled it better because right? you're constantly confronted with situations where you have to make outrageous decisions of how to handle it and that's that's natural that not everyone's going to to do what they find uh, that they to to do things they don't later second guess, but it's ridiculous because they shouldn't have to make those decisions in the first place. There, I've clarified. It.
0: Have you? I'm so confused. <laughs> okay, that I am, be, I, I got okay. nothing. I got nothing. Be
7: confused. I've said all I have to say.
1: Well, as Danny would say, there's no use crying over fish in the sea.
0: <laughs> okay. Don pukes. <laughs>
7: he does after choosing the men's room. Don for having the men's room chosen for him pukes he, his he,
0: guts out, and yes. he's already. It's she's like, do you want some water? And he's <laughs> and he's like, what? Like he's already past it. <laughs> he's That's already right. like that never happened. And like mid puke.
1: <laughs>
0: then from the men's room is when we hear the clarion call of Herman Duck Phillips.
7: Uh, uh, trousers are already around his knees when we see him
0: calling out for peggy trousers around his knees
7: in roger's office thinking it's don's
0: ready to leave the ultimate thank you more gift.
7: more <laughs> scatology Jesus for this episode. this episode it is a lot right like that's not no no this, that's, a, that's what I'm it's, saying. i started w-
0: any farts there's an audible fart
7: oh yeah no we it's have all just there.
0: left a puke for a fart and an almost shit like it's mm-hmm. wildly not subtle but, this is but a it's very, not subtle. The whole
7: episode. Right. The whole, it's weird that this episode of all things, just they chose to put that. You know, we we're gonna put. If we we're gonna do a theme episode. That would be one of the themes that we talk
0: about. That's what I'm saying. It's like for yeah. whatever reason, they got down and dirty, and that we've already we've we sure don't there's there's testicle talk, and you know, it's just it's just <laughs> you know, we've got drop trow, non-sexual mm-hmm. drop trow, for sure.
7: <laughs> Although I liked I liked the part. It did make me laugh when he said. Don't talk. I have to concentrate. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, really, we really got up and into stuff that. Yeah. Why? 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 But there it is. Yeah,
7: I don't. I don't know where. Why they chose this episode for that, other than we're just going everywhere with these two. So why not? Why not here? So maybe that's it. But who knows?
0: Yeah. If, coiners, if you have any thoughts of of like how it metaphors into this particular episode, mm-hmm. let us know because we don't. Right. So now, not only is Peggy dealing with this ape of an ex in, in her space, I mean, talk about navigating, right? But but she's also got Don now knowing that yeah. she had been sleeping with Doc.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, Don also took that shot at her in the bar because the, the other piece of the conversation in the bar that we didn't talk about was the, like, how pretty is Peggy conversation. Right right. and you know, everybody thought I was sleeping with you.
7: right. That was an interesting piece of it, yeah, I thought from her that her take on that whole on that mindset or that um, reputation that she apparently has isn't how dare they think I would sleep my way to the top, which is a little bit of how we're mm-hmm. supposed to think of it perhaps, but really what's going with what the the internalization that Peggy does is, oh, like, that wouldn't be possible.
0: That's right. Right?
7: Like, I'm not worthy of that. I, 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 Don wouldn't sleep with me. What's wrong with me?
0: Well, and that's because, I mean, here's the thing. We've, we've talked about this before. We talked about this back. Bye bye, Birdie. You know, Peggy, with all the confidence she has underneath it, it is, it is this wound that she's not the pretty one. That yeah. is a wound that she lives on top of. Where we look at her and we think it's a healed wound, it never right. is, right? It's always there for her.
7: That she doesn't care and it's a callous, you know, over thing, and it's not.
0: It, it is always there for her. Now.
7: Guess I'll always care, right? That's Guess what I'll always care. That's right.
1: <laughs>
0: but she didn't necessarily have that as, like, number one reason until she found out he slept with Allison. Mm-hmm. Now, what Don says is, I have rules,
1: <laughs> and she's
0: like, "Well, do you don't. well, do you now?" But but the the truth is, Don has rules, and now and this we go back to addiction. What is talked about in in recovery circles is all of your "I nevers." You have to add "yet." Well, I never did this, and <laughs> right. I never did that. But your standards, you know, I would never, I would never break into my mother's home and steal her whatever until that's what you did, right? So that, that you know that's what we're watching this season with Don. And and we've been watching it for a while. We it really, we saw it with Suzanne, you right.
7: know. We hit rock bottom and there's another floor below. That's that, right.
0: right. So there's always these things that you would never do. So anyway, she might have had a glimpse of, a glimmer of that for herself about Don never slept with me because I wasn't pretty enough, but she had probably come to, been fine with it until Allison. And then all of a sudden it was back because now he does sleep with his secretary. So.
7: Right. No, that had to have, that had to have, had to have had an effect. Yeah,
0: That's what re-upped it for her. I
8: hate dating. You never smile.
1: Terrible at it. You'll find someone. You know you're cute as hell.
8: Men don't exactly stop and stare in
1: the streets. Do you want that?
8: It's
3: not what you were supposed to say.
1: What do you care what I think?
0: And then there's an actual fight.
7: There you go. Styles make fights there too, by the way. How <laughs> about these wild drunken swings at one another? Yeah.
0: He basically is like, Oh, you're sleeping with Don. And then he literally calls her a whore. Right. And then Don Swings calls him. off. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you know.
7: Best hit. he can anyway. Yeah. Well, it's like they say there's, you know, there's three of them there. Well, hit aim for the middle one. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Like, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't quite get it. Yeah, so you know, and that was a bit comical, but you know, they end up getting duck off of Don at the end. Peggy gets him out of the office, and that presumably that's That's the end of Duck.
0: Yeah. And Peggy apologizes to Don, like, kind of like, I forgot I was sleeping with someone who was so cruel to you. I mean, that's what I think that meant, right?
7: Did Peggy know how cruel Duck was to Don? I just, I mean, I think everyone knew they were adversaries to some degree. I think. Because he was already gone by the time they started.
0: Right. But. Duck doesn't keep his mouth shut, and she slept with him for a while. So there's that. He brags. Right. He brags about it. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there was enough. I think between office gossip,
7: yeah,
0: and her knowing Duck, and I mean, Don got the promotion when Duck left. Like, I think she knew enough.
7: It's possible. Like she I, knew I, enough. I took. Well, the, what did
0: the? Yeah, what did you think the apology? I meant? took
7: the apology basically being like. That's inappropriate to do in an office, especially. And it probably didn't even occur to her how secret it was, <laughs> you know, because because of of their history. Um, so I think it was more like out of embarrassment and and some sort of vague protocol. But I didn't get the sense that she was that she either had. A specific reason to apologize, or was apologizing in any specific way?
0: It sounded specific to me, and that's why. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, and what I the whole point I went reason I went back to the bar was to bring up the fact that Don took that shot at her about, you know, oh, you're going to lecture me on morals, which is how they got into the conversation about the baby. But that was the the little shot he took, um, which I thought was a little. both sides of something that was very different, but whatever. Yeah, she,
7: she alluded to him not honoring his whatever his he rules. said. His rules. Right. Yeah.
0: But then later he finds out that she's sleeping with Doc.
7: Well, these are two people who know a lot about each other.
0: That's what he said in the bar, right? We do things. People do things. That's you live right. life and you make mistakes. Get over it, kind of. Right. You know? For sure. For sure. And these are two people who know things about
6: each other. That's right. So yeah.
7: So so I think it's I think it's up for debate. I'd, that's something maybe our listeners can can let us know what they think. Was was Peggy apologizing for something very specific or, or just in general? Um, but yeah, she definitely felt the need to address it, and you know, Don rightfully and sort of, you know in a human way at uh, a decent way, kind of brushes it off and just like, well, you know, yep. whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, doesn't, doesn't clobber her over the head with it. But, you know, at this point, these two are exhausted and she's sitting down on the, on the sofa in his office, the couch, and he just curls up and lies his head down on her lap.
0: Before that, he asks her for a drink and she's like, Seriously?
7: Well, after you puke, you know, you're all ready to go again.
0: I mean, and that's when he says he has to make a phone call. He doesn't want to be alone. He just wants a drink. She brings it to him, and that's when he passes out in her lap, and she, you know, very tenderly just sort of pats his head and and lets him fall asleep in her lap. It's one of the most intimate moments It's beautiful. So beautiful.
7: She drinks his drink (laughs) and just manages to get comfortable enough to to doze off. That's what she does. So
0: she dozes off and then we we cut back to it and Don is awakened from the sound of footsteps. And we see a young, limp-free Anna Draper walk in. Carrying a suitcase. Smiling. And it's hard not to be reminded of, you know, Betty had a dream about a suitcase. Don lost his suitcase. And at the end of the jet set, that suitcase is back on Betty's.
7: Right, because Don's clothes were missing. Yeah.
0: uh, Doorstep. And that's where he goes and sees Anna. I mean. Yeah. Was it jet set or was it? The one after when he, because we don't meet Anna in Jet Set. Oh, Mountain King? It must have been probably Mountain King. Possibly. Probably Mountain King.
7: Yeah. We're the
0: experts. Anyway. Oh, yeah.
7: yeah. Jet Set ends with him calling Anna. We don't know who it is. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was totally Mountain King. Yeah. So good at this. So there, that's it. That's the moment. There it is. Whew. And now the sun is coming up. It's dawn. Mm -hmm. Dawn wakes up, sees Peggy is asleep. And like a dumb dick, cause it's at least two thirty in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> calls Stephanie. I mean, it was inconsiderate and very Don Draper and an awkward, stupid TV thing that Stephanie just answered the phone. Like,
7: yeah, like, <laughs> like I was just putting, I was just uh, you know taking the makeup off my face, yeah, whatever, right?
0: putting, putting dinner away. Um. But it took him going through that full journey before he was ready to make that call. yeah and then seeing Anna.
7: Well, I think he knew, you know, I mean that that's the sign, right? you know that, that was the, the, the celestial communication that uh, that she was gone.
0: Or his own conjuring because he really did already know either way. Mm. E- either way, because he did he really did already know.
7: The message. That he got the slip of paper could have been it's near the end. You know, she has hours to go, that kind of thing. Or it could have been she's already gone. But either way, he knew by time he called, she was likely going to to be gone.
0: And to that point, of course, he avoided making the call, even though knowing that it actually could have been she wants to talk to you before she dies. I mean, that's right.
7: Well, I think that's what was weighing on him. That was the Hmm. that was the worst case scenario Hmm.
0: was, was I hadn't considered that.
7: I think so. Yeah, I think. I th- yeah. I think that was it because he's he he kind of I forget how he said it, but he either asked or he said, uh, you know, did she want to talk to me? Or it right, came right, up. And that's she, right. And Stephanie's like, now nah, she was out of it. And I think that was a truthful and B the best answer Don could have heard that sort of let him off the hook for his avoidance. Yeah. You know, but it it ends. It's a it's a it's a relatively soft landing in terms of the news for Don. First of all, he 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 looks up and sees Peggy. And uh I think that also kinda caused the the break also. Just it's all it was all very heavy for him at that at that exact moment.
0: He begins to tear up and then they they hang up and then he goes, Stephanie, there's that there's that one like
7: Right, yeah. He calls her and she's already hung up. And
0: it was too late. You know, so he might have said something of substance. I mean, on the call, and I I, I mentioned this earlier. He offers, like, in a heartbeat, like I'll come, I'm going to come out and take care of like that. He can do. He can't yeah. make the phone call when she might still be alive. He can't bring himself to. But once it's time to do, mm. he can do. You know yeah, what? Yeah. What would a normal person? <laughs> what yeah, a, what would a normal right. person do? Pete. It's not always, Pete Easier asks. than it sounds. Yeah. Pete asks when his father is dead. Right. Like he can't hit the the high marks and he he doesn't i mean he says stephanie too late and then he looks up and there's peggy Mm -hmm. and she's watching him and he's he breaks down he's weeping
7: and we don't know what he's gonna tell her we don't either is he gonna spill his guts is he gonna tell her everything and he tells her really the minimum he's not prepared to go into any of that
0: no 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 there's no that's a long story I mean, that's a lot. But
7: we're on minute fifty-three here.
0: But he says Anna was the only person in the world who really knew him. Right. And as she as he continues to cry, she says, That's not true. Mm. And she strokes his back. And that is That's
7: it. That's it, ma'am. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. He sends her
0: home, but She curls, but he doesn't throw her out. It isn't like you're, you know, he doesn't cut it. He doesn't cut this moment short. He lets this moment come to its uh, natural conclusion. And then he's like, all right, now go home and get cleaned up and come back. And, you know, you can be late. And she goes and curls up and sleeps on her couch.
2: (laughs) Drop and give me 20. You
10: asshole.
2: It's work. It's 1030 (laughs) maggot. (laughs) did you spend the night
8: here yeah see the fight
0: no guys wake her up and she's gross and they're like you fucking slept here (laughs) and she sees and it is a remarkable transformation and she's like this is a woman who was his secretary, and she knows about the three shirts in his desk, but yeah. she's never seen this kind of magic before. This it's wizardry, above beyond. yeah, this yeah. is like amazing. I mean, she's the guys all know that she slept there. Nobody knows that Don did, right? So now is when he shows her his Samsonite idea, mm-hmm. and and we talked about this. He crit, she criticizes it, and then and then says it's good again. I I don't know how good it is. So is she admitting it's good or not? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Is she admitting it, or is she just being being? I don't know. I don't know either.
7: He he used a uh, the go direct not to go directly to jail. Go go directly to pass go and collect two hundred dollars. Is what he did. He, came, he he pulled the right card for himself.
0: But he puts his hand on hers, and he puts his hand on her hand, and they look at each other. Right. So there's a few things that this evokes for me. One, one, Dan, is for you. One is, this is absolutely not a case where last night didn't happen. That's right. That's, to me, that was almost the biggest, the loudest. The. That's right. And he doesn't do that.
7: That's right. And he's changed and he's, he's put it behind him. That's right. You know, in, in, in terms of moving past it, you know, just... She's more in the moment than he was because she still, looks, still a, looks a mess.
0: Yeah.
7: Yeah. So he's, he's able to move on and still keep that, the, the memory, but keep, keep that, uh, keep the moment with him. Yeah.
0: And the other thing is it goes back to the pilot and that first time that she puts his hand on her, her, his hand in that, in that awkward seduction moment that they practically alluded to in the bar last night, That's right? right totally so i mean just just incredible no it's brilliant just just it's incredible brilliant. you know actually this is the point where he sends her home to shower and changes and come back
7: correct correct and
0: then it's door open or closed open there's the big there's the rest of the metaphor
7: i mean in, in 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 thinking though about what we talked about earlier with the way he handles it right i'm still still stuck on that a bit i i do think that it that there's a reason for that, or you can interpret it as having a, a good reason, which is, you know...
0: Which what? Th- you haven't used a noun yet.
7: <laughs> How shitty he was in, in handling her objections. Mm. What changed, and the significance of the whole experience of that night before, wasn't that their work relationship really changed at all. It was that their personal relationship took a huge jump forward. And they became closer and more intimate as people. But it's not like the next day he starts listening to her objections or or pays a little more attention to her ideas. I mean, we know he respects her as a writer, but when they conflict with his, the boss is going to win, right? So that doesn't change. So it's not like we're seeing a different dynamic between them professionally. We're seeing a different dy- dynamic between them personally and it's almost as if you had to draw that contrast so you can i think you can draw that from from the way he handled it i'm just thinking it through again still don't like it but it's i think it, it there's a there's more sense to it
0: this isn't the piece of their work relationship where he's being a fucking bear this is the piece where she's a little deferring so what we might see maybe is he barks a little less maybe Maybe. And isn't so shitty? We don't know yet, right? Yeah.
7: Yeah. All we have is the is this one is this one thing where he's yeah. pitching her and she kind of gives him a little of his own medicine and he short her. you know, that's the part where I, you know, say, Don, <laughs> just respect her a little bit more. Um, but he cuts her off. But but I think that's the that's the point to show us that it's not necessarily a new day between professionals, it's a new day between these two people that that was already at a very advanced state.
0: So before we wrap up and do some quotes, I want to go back to what I brought up at Waldorf story, Waldorf stories, where I was like, well, let's look at these two as the midpoint of the season. And, and in some ways the midpoint of the whole series, but that's, that's a lot unknown
7: (laughs) at the time. Yeah.
0: Where I talked about Lisa Lilly's, story structure thing. I, I, I misstated it a little bit, so I'm going to state it correctly now. The, at the midpoint of a story, the protagonist either makes a commitment or uh, suffers a major reversal. I actually collapsed some of those distinctions when I first tried. Out, tried <laughs> took, took a stab at it. So this is what I said I would look for in, in both of these episodes and particularly in, in The Suitcase. 13 episodes so is it six or seven right um so either suffers a major reversal assuming don draper is our protagonist of the series mm-hmm. which i think we comfortably can it's debatable because peggy but it's he's the protagonist he's sure. the, he's the outline we look at right he's the he's the he's the silhouette i don't see him suffering a major reversal i mean he's he went through some shit and he had a loss but I don't see him suffering a major reversal. It does feel like he made a commitment. But what did he make a commitment to? Does doesn't it feel that way? Like something changed and there was a commitment made, but to what?
7: Yeah, I wouldn't say a reversal or a commitment necessarily. I would say, um, he he had an experience, right? He he, he had a learning. This was a growth, uh, an episode of growth, for Don. Um, one of our awesome listeners posted something on twitter this week about how he leaves the door open at the end of the episode and then the previous two episodes end with his door being closed
0: that was the big sort of obvious metaphor of don open or closed open and the sun is shining <laughs> right, and exactly. okay
7: right the harp the harps right there in the corner but no i so, like so, a ladies
0: room
1: <laughs> that's
7: right so i'd um so i'd i'd, I'd peg that to growth as much as anything, that's how I read it. I'm not, I'm not as familiar with the structural piece.
0: I'm going to throw this out there, and let's just see what happens this season. And by the way,
7: we I, we know what happens.
0: Yes, but I but I I was that's why I was exactly going to say I literally I was at a party last night, which is so weird. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go get tested in a couple of days. That's good, yeah. just to be safe. But I was talking to uh, some people who either had never watched Mad Men or who had you know, started it and then kind of dropped off,
5: Mm. but
0: who might start it again? And I see it on Twitter and on Instagram as well. There are, we do, again, we know this, the bulk of our listeners are diehard Mad Men fans, but Mm -hmm. there are new ones. My little spoiler, and I say my, because (laughs) this is definitely, (laughs) this has been my baby of like, we're going to be spoiler free. And I know that we're not perfect, but there are new listeners. This this can be, there. I see it. I'm seeing it on, I mean, new watchers, new viewers. So Mm -hmm. with respect to that, Let me just say, if there's a commitment made in this episode, and again, we're just, I'm just trying this on. I'm just trying this on as though this were true, as though, you know, this story structure thing is accurate and he made a commitment and we don't know what that commitment is because we're just pretending that we know. And I'm going to just assert that the commitment that he makes is that he doesn't have to be alone. Oh, see you next time, folks. No, we're going to take a break. (laughs) Just, throw it, just try it on. Just All try right. it on. Throw it
7: out there. It's out there. It's on the table.
0: It's what Anna said in the reading.
7: That's right. That's right. right. hmm
0: So <laughs> let's go to break, and we will come back with our favorite quotes from this you got it. endless
3: episode. <laughs> what does it mean?
6: It means the only thing keeping you from being happy is the belief that you are alone.
1: What if that's true? Then you can change. People don't change.
0: What's your quote, Dan? I miss saying that.
7: (laughs) (laughs) I was looking, I think this might be the shortest quote I've ever listed as my favorite. Uh, Don says to Duck, uncle. (laughs) Now, I'd like to get it down to one syllable. Maybe there's a quote out there I can say that's one syllable, if I can think, if I I can identify one. But no, I love. It's a great moment. I love it because, you know, in that Mad Men way, like we've already heard Uncle Mac referenced. Out Mm. of the blue, completely without lead up or context. He's thinking of his Uncle Mac and fleeing. (laughs) <laughs> Which is, you know, it's not quite giving up necessarily, but getting the hell out of there. And uh, and when it's time to, you know, sort of fight or flight for Don with Duck, literally, uh, he says, "Uncle," he surrenders. The, the, the right when he said it, he could have again the Uncle Mac thing is un. You can't say it's not a link because he could have said anything, right then. Don't hit me. I give up.
0: I didn't make that, I didn't make that association, association at all. So I, I will say, and, and it's not that it's a, I'm not saying you're, well, you're wrong at all, but so, you know, listen, for the youth out there. I mean, I don't even know if people know about say, no, un- say think, uncle right. anymore, say but uncle? it's like, right. it's like a thing you would say when you were beating somebody or you had their hand behind their, their yes, arm, exactly. you know, behind their back. So, You'd be like, say so, uncle, say uncle, say uncle. It's like when
7: you're waterboarding your brother. Yeah,
0: it's a pure, <laughs> it's exactly right. It's a pure <laughs> dominate, you know, school, uh, schoolyard domination tactic, it's right?
7: Surrender. I give up. Right.
0: But it's also one of one more of those things that even as we were growing up, it was already old timey, but it existed. Sure. But when Don was growing up and was being beaten by his father, I bet his father said, "Say, Uncle."
7: Right, right. That could be too.
0: The look in sure. him. Now I don't know if Uncle Mac beat him or, ever or not. I don't remember if we ever. All we know is know he that. was
7: nice to him. That's the only. And thing also we've a really son heard. of a bitch.
0: Like he was. Yeah. He, he had all these feelings about him. Yep. Um, so I think the fact that he said he was nice about him means he didn't beat him. I think that's his, I mean, I think Don's, I think Don's bar uh, was pretty low at that point.
7: It was, it was. Uh, and and he also invited him to come see his brother. He, he When he, when uh, in the flashback on Mother's Day, I forget what, what episode it was, but when we see Uncle Mac, we don't know who it is.
0: That's right. Come but meet, when Adam's born, brother. it's that's come right.
7: meet your brother for what it's worth. But the, uh, just the reference to me, just amazing. Really great.
0: But I do, th- uh, yeah, I, the look in, the look in Don's eyes in that yeah. moment Ugh. was pure Dick Whitman bowl cut, little, little boy Defeat. being beaten. Yeah.
7: yeah.
0: Yeah. It's really powerful. All right. Your quote. Um, mine's, <laughs> uh, it's one of these lines that almost got past me. Um, you know, my favorite <laughs> line in all of film, uh, is also a line that almost got past me the first, dozen times I ever saw The Wizard of Oz which was I think he's saying oil can oil can what almost got past me
7: <laughs>
0: this one almost got past me Uh Roger's on the phone and I really do love that this this episode really is like a play. That any external scene, we only are seeing it through a telephone call, and it, you know, we could have. It, it really was one set, you know, all, two set, three sets. It was all, all roads lead back to the one thing. Yeah. Right. Anyway, he, <laughs> Rogers, bitching about uh, his sober dinner companions and and how they they go into their sob stories and everything they've been through and I've killed people and he goes and and they're self so righteous. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really he throws it away. He doesn't punch it.
7: No, he, it's just You, know, you
0: really got to go back and be, Did he Did he just
7: There's self so right, ra- And it sounds so just so as good. It just
0: sounds fine. Yeah. I'm like, "What just Did he Did he get it right? Did he get the right. words right? Did he? was it a perfect flip? It was." It's there's Roger self so righteous.
7: Four drinks in. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, so good. Anyway, <laughs> Dan, we did it.
7: Oh. We sure did.
0: I might suitcase. have put some I might have put some pressure <laughs> on us and on myself. I was like, this has to satisfy the fans like this is too important, too beloved, too respected, too iconic. I'm ready
7: for a vacation after talking about I the suitcase.
0: swear to God, pack them ah, up.
7: That's true. All right.
0: All right. Well, thank you for sticking with us. And yeah. when we, we will. Hopefully uh, you're
7: still here. We yeah. might be talking to nobody. Just kind of yeah. how I usually <laughs> approach these things. <laughs>
0: uh, when we come back, you know, you know, you know what? We're like, now it's, this was episode seven. So we come back to episode eight. Now we're in that acceleration. Oh, yeah. Right. And the next one is the summer. The, the next few summer are. Summer man. Yeah. The summer man. The beautiful girls. And then we get to hands and knees. I mean, it's. We still it's, got yeah. a season ahead of us.
7: That's for sure. Yeah, usually we're, usually with an episode like this, we're like really at the finish line by now, but we're not. Pretty no, cool. It
0: was just a break. All Good right. Stuff. Thanks, everybody.
2: Bye-bye. We've got Dawn falling apart Because Anna is dying and then finally dead. He sees her ghost carrying the suitcase that he's laboring to think up a stupid fucking ad for because he can't deal with real life shit. We see a mouse or a rat in the like glittering offices of Sterling Cooper. And then later there's a roach on the wall at the diner. Clay beats Liston in a matter of seconds, we find out that Cooper's balls have been cut off. Everything about this is, um, I mean, it's the show because it's like, you know, there's that shining exterior of everything that goes on at Sterling Cooper Draper price. But like just scratch beneath the surface, I watched my dad die. I watched my dad die. What about your mother? I never knew her. And then, you know, you've got Peggy, who's a mother whose child is out there somewhere that doesn't know her. Anna is the dead surrogate mother. This is all about, like, losing your mother being a mother who loses a child, that moment of, you know, Don asks Peggy, do you still think about it? She says sometimes. And then she says playgrounds. And, you know, her voice is not even cracking. There's just like a hint of it. And it's that, you know, that's like, that's everything right like that's the whole character that's the whole show like in that line like you have these people that have you know in the mid-century ideal created these identities for themselves that go against the very truth and essence of who they are as human beings and at the same time that single word playgrounds is the perfect fucking tag that you would use? Like, that's like a great ad writer's line.
4: Peggy finds out that Don was in Korea, and Peggy knows that, or Don finds out that Peggy does know who the father of the baby is, and I have always loved the fact that he doesn't press her on that.
2: Peggy is surrounded by fucking dumbass men, like, Really, like, not, like, worthless, but almost totally worthless. You know, she's got her cadre of fucking creative idiots making just a trash dump out of that room that Joan yells at them for. And that's why there are rats in the office. And then, you know, Duck Phillips shows up a fucking cartoon Of a broken, drunken, shambling mess of a man. He and Don have a stupid fight that nobody looks good. Like, you know, they just look so fucking dumb. Don is, like, incredibly abusive you know, before having his breakdown and they have, like, real human moments together. But, like, Dawn is a fucking asshole to her. Doesn't even know it's her birthday. Like, her idiot fucking boyfriend, never mind her, like, you know, never mind Duck Phillips, who's not her boyfriend, but her idiot boyfriend that plans a surprise party with her family that she hates. Ugh. You know, in a different time... Peggy Olson could like really rule half this country, and she's got to deal with this bullshit.
3: I've carried Don Draper's career advice with me for years, um, and so this scene is where Peggy and Don are going back and forth. Peggy wants appreciation for the commercial for Glow Coat that she helped write, and Don Draper um, is telling her. I, about what the job is. I give you money, you give me ideas. Peggy, you never say thank you. Done. That's what the money's for. Yes, work will not love you back. Don't expect appreciation. I'm a mentor for new teachers and I've been a public school teacher for 15 years. And all the time I hear, I don't get thank you, I'm underappreciated. Guess what, honey? Your paycheck is your thank you. Work will not love you back. Thank you for Don for this lasting advice.:
2: None of these ideas for Samsonite, in my opinion, are worth anything. None of these ideas are special.
5: When you sit in a creative director position, you, you might not see uh, from the outside looking in that like part of the work is actually pulling out genius ideas out of a heap of terrible ideas so like thousands of ideas don has to l- listen to pitches that don't work like the joe namath pitch in the episode and then you know he's got his own ideas that sound pretty good but they're just not hitting the mark and um he references the Glowcoat coat commercial where he pulled out a nugget of an idea and peggy thinks that's the whole idea she should get the credit because she came up with you know the the kid locked in the closet waiting for the floor to dry and Don responds that that's the way this works you gave me an idea i turned it into a commercial you know the idea isn't on its own it's not powerful enough to sell products one of the most powerful i think lines in the series and i always i've i've watched i've watched mad men 8 or 9 times through but i always stop uh whatever i'm doing to really pay attention to the scene don says this is the way it works. I give you money, you give me ideas. And then Peggy says, but you never give me credit. And he yells, that's what the money is for. And then he actually says, there's no credits on commercials. That's the way this works. There's no credits on commercials. You give me ideas. You gave me a kernel of an idea and I took it and I massaged it and it became the commercial or something to that effect. And You know, you really get like the brilliance of Don in the scene that he's not just a guy coming up with ideas on his own in a vacuum. He's sorting and sifting through all the different interactions he has every day with his copywriters, with his artists, with the client. And he's directing the focus to one single point of success. And that's why he gets the Clio.
4: It always cracks me up now also in retrospect how when dances there are no credits on commercials and how now there really are credits on commercials and you can totally win Emmys for commercials.
8: Something that really struck me this time around watching The Suitcase was Elizabeth Moss's delivery of the line after Don has broken down and told her that the only person who truly knew him is gone. And she says, that's not true. And what you hear is... Please tell me that's not true, because the only person who truly understands Peggy is Don, and that has become so painfully, humiliatingly clear through the course of the episode with awful Mark and his awful dinner, and inviting her family to that, which was such a tone-deaf misstep. Her family doesn't get her either. She's the round peg in a square hole in her own family, and she is in the rest of her team. The rest of the team act like bullying older brothers who pick on her and tease her because she's the little sister and the way she says that that's not true it's so self-conscious and there's like a, a layer of embarrassment there and it reminded me of when joan teases her a little bit for the the um the very stilted roommate ad she puts out there the way she delivers it is kind of a little bit a little bit defensive a little bit sad a little bit wounded because she thinks how can you possibly think that I don't know you, when you know me, he knows about her baby, um, he accepts her anyway. And I think calling forward, in a way that I know you don't do on the podcast, but thinking about how the series ends, Don and Peggy spend the suitcase having this strongly strongly bonding experience, and he betrays her at the end of the series by getting engaged to Megan, she sees that as... He's been doing something else at the office all this time. She thought he was married to the job, like she is, and they bonded in this way. But all the while, he's been building himself a life raft, which is what Don said to Betty when she left him for Henry Francis. Don was looking for a secretary to marry. He was looking for some outlet from the from the office that he seemingly wasn't getting there. When that's what she was getting there. So that that line that how much she could put in just in just those words that's not true. That was unbelievable acting and very moving.
4: Don gets off the phone with Stephanie and sees, you know, Peggy's just sitting there kind of with this look on her face, like, thanks for waking me up, dude, or whatever. And then he just bursts into tears. Her expression is like, oh, my goodness, I have never seen this emotion on this man ever before. And, like, she doesn't know what to do. And she finds out, you know, somebody important to him died. The only person who ever really knew him, which is true. Anna is the only person who ever really knew him. And uh, Peggy says, that's not true. And that makes me mad because it is true.
2: One thing that I'm really struck by is the way at the very end, in just like a touching moment of humanness, Don – puts his hand over Peggy's, which echoes from the very beginning of the series, when she put her hand on his in his office, trying to hit on him, but it doesn't go anywhere. And they talk about, while they're drinking at the bar, and Cassius Clay is about to make history, you know... Everyone thinks that she slept with him to get her job, but she didn't. And why didn't he sleep with her? And, you know, like, there's all of this, like, push-pull stuff of, like, I don't want that, but I do want that. And he's saying, like, I would never do that. And she's like, oh, but you have done that. And then, you know, they're just kind of at a stalemate
4: his hand over her hand at the end on the artwork, and the loving and knowing look that they share. Nothing needs to be said, and nothing needs to ever be said about what happened overnight. Elizabeth Moss's eyes, when she just looks up to him and her, just her little nod, I mean, it's barely a nod, but her little nod with the tears in her eyes saying, yes, I understand, even though nobody has said anything. has just been amazing. And then she walks out and she says, open her clothes. And for the first time in three episodes, the door is open at the end of the show.
9: This is Lisa M. Lily. Roberta asked me to talk about the suitcase. When I realized what episode this was, I dreaded re-watching it because I always remember the terrible things that Don and Peggy say to each other, and I had forgotten until I rewatched how much these two people understand each other, how much they love their work and creativity, and how well they work together. So I really enjoyed the rewatch. I was so struck by this one line of dialogue from Don. It's when he and Peggy, they've been in and out of his office, they've argued, they've worked together, they've laughed, and now a mouse has frightened Peggy. She's up on a chair Don goes to look for it and can't find it, realizes it has gotten away. And he says something about the mouse, but this has so much resonance, not just for these two characters in this episode, but for their character arcs throughout the entire series. Here's what Don says, and this is what I'll end with. There's a way out of this room we don't know about.
1: This is Deborah Lipp co-owner with my sister Roberta of Basket of Kisses, the very best, most awesome Mad Men website. The suitcase. There's a scene, a moment, where they're looking for the mouse, and Don is on the floor, and the mouse is gone, and he says, you know, there's a way out of this room that we don't know about. And certainly... I have thought of that as too on the nose, too obvious a metaphor. There's a way out that they don't know about. And they go to the diner, but they choose to come back, and they keep choosing. And, you know, by the series finale, they have continued to make that choice. There's a way out of that room that they don't know about, and they choose to go back anyway.
10: Hey guys, obligatory. I love the pod. This is Katie, and I wanted to give you my thoughts on the suitcase. Hopefully, it's a perspective that you won't get from everyone else. We'll see. Um, I just love, aside from all of the other amazing things about everyone's favorite classic episode, I love how the suitcase shows us how in tune Don is with the other side. Perhaps he sees Anna pass away. She comes to him in a dream, suitcase in hand, as if to bid him farewell. And later on, we see the same thing happen again with Rachel Menken. And not in a dream fashion, but we do see him uh, visualize Bert after he has passed away as well. So it's kind of the first instance of that happening. And I just really love how the suitcase introduces that concept of Don being more perceptive about things that we wouldn't think he'd be perceptive about and perhaps being more aware of things than everyone gives him credit for which is to say things on another plane. Um, Thank you so much for the great work you do on the podcast have a great time discussing everyone's favorite episode I know everyone has thoughts with a capital T and we thank you for yours.